With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mosaic believes that the church is designed to be a genuine community of people, creating a safe space of belonging for all, seeking to serve our neighbors with the compassion of God, providing opportunities to learn to be more like Jesus, and living life well together. This can't happen in a one-hour time slot on Sunday mornings. Yet we desire to be a worshiping, missional community in Clayton, North Carolina. Visit MosaicClayton.com or find us on Facebook, Mosaic Church of Clayton. Take a look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. Uh, Timothy is near the end of the New Testament. It's tucked in between 1 and 2 Thessalonians in this great big old book called Titus. Um, and we'll get back to 1 Timothy here in just a moment. You remember when you were a kid and your parents uh, told you little white lies? Uh, so take, for example, I was told as a child um, that if I ate watermelon seeds, a watermelon would grow in my belly. Mom and Dad, you were liars. That was not true. I have swallowed many watermelon seeds. Uh, parents often tell their kids if you swallow gum, um, it will just stay in there and never digest. Oh, by the way, lie, uh, because it, it doesn't, uh, doesn't decompress or anything. It just goes straight through your system, and we'll avoid all potty jokes here at the beginning of this conversation. I had a friend uh, whose dad told him that he had a limit of 10,000 words per month, and often when he would get talkative, he would say, hey, you're getting close to 9,000 words. You're not going to be able to talk the rest of, of the month. Uh, I think one of the best white lies parents have ever told, and I've used this on my kids, is that when you see the ice cream truck and the music's playing, they're just letting you know that they're out of ice cream. And so you can't, you know, we, we were at the Clayton Park recently, and the, that guy was blaring the music, and it was like, I'm sorry, girls, he's, he's out of ice cream, we can't go get any. See, you know, we hear these lies, and all of a sudden our world, as, you know, as children, as we get older, our eyes begin to open up to reality that you know, as much as our parents were trying to be good and noble, well, they were just filthy liars at the end of it, but, but we're open to a new world, a new, a new understanding of things. Um, you know, I don't know about you, but when you were a kid and your parents told you you've drank coffee, you'd grow hair in your chest. And it's had the opposite for me. It's like the more coffee I drink, the more hair I lose uh, top of my head. So once our eyes are open, there's no, there's no going back to the way we saw things before. Um, for those that are joining us for the first time this morning, we've been in a two-month conversation as we have been um, looking around a busy and excess-filled culture. Asking the question, is there a better way than congested work and busyness and excess stuff and wallet and content? And we've seen that the invitation of Jesus is a call out of this cultural system and into a new way of living. Yet through Jesus, we begin to discover that it is not in always having more, but sometimes it's in the simplicity of having enough, that Jesus is redefining life for us. And last week, we looked at the difficulty of as we engage these things, it's like we're stepping out into a new path that seems like it's never been trekked before. We feel like we are wayfinders. 
Yet we learn that Christ is there leading us and that we do not take this journey alone, that we together as the church find this new way. And so this morning as we dig into this text, we're going to be looking at is that as we journey with Christ, it's easy to step out of that new system, that new way of life, and back into the system of excess and culture and busyness. So what's the context of 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 12? It's written by Paul to a guy named Timothy. You probably recall Timothy as the guy that Paul so famously circumcised in the book of Acts after the church had just voted that you didn't have to circumcise the Gentiles anymore. That is like the best way to start a road trip with Paul. We're going to do the circumcision and then we're going to move on. And my favorite pun around circumcision is let's cut that conversation and move on to something else. So scholars have said that 1st 2nd Timothy along with Titus are they're the, the pastoral letters written uh, around helping develop leaders within the churches. Um, and so Timothy is receiving this from Paul. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Of course, there is great gain in godliness combined with contentment. For we brought nothing into this world, so we can take nothing out. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who are rich fall into the temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmless desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from faith and pierced themselves with many pains. But as for you, man of God, shun all of this. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called, for which you were made in this good confession in the presence of many witnesses. You probably heard me say this before, and I'll say it again. As much as things change, they really do stay the same. Paul is writing to Timothy, who is battling uh, between this love of mammon, this God of money, this God of stuff and content and excess. We don't know the exact circumstances that Paul is writing to because this really isn't the focus of the entire letter. He's, he's charging him in so many different things, and this is at this personal note towards the end of the letter. And he's saying the lure of excess and wealth, it, it changes the trajectory of your life and priorities. And don't be fooled, you will lose everything if you serve the God of mammon. And what seems to be indicated in this text is that there's two distinct paths that we can choose from. It's, it's the path that, of excess and wealth and stuff and more, and then there's the path of Jesus. Jesus told a profound story that went something like this. There was two great builders, and one built this house overlooking the ocean on the rock, and it looked absolutely beautiful. And another person had a, a really sincere ocean view because they built it right on the sand. But the story takes a twist when we learn that a great storm comes. And the house that was on the rock overlooking the beach withstood the storm. And the house that was in the sand was no more. It's a great tragedy. And the obvious characterization of this narrative is to say that those who pursue excess and wealth are building their house on sand. But I think it's so easy for us to journey in the way of Jesus and yet still build our house on sand. How often we try to live dualistic paths of life where we try to have the best of both worlds. We want to live in the way of Jesus, but we also want a life of excess of stuff and busyness and work and work and work and content and more and more and more. Listen to the cry of Proverbs 30:15. The leech has two daughters. Give and give, they cry. 
see, the problem is oftentimes we sink into this pattern and system of life and we don't realize it because it rears its heads in ways that is so culturally normal. In our culture, great Caesar's ghost, we have become accustomed to it's never good enough. We always have to complain. We always have to bellyache for more. They didn't get my order right. The shipping is too slow. It only took like two days to get to you. I had to wait 10 minutes for my drink. They didn't look at me the right way. This isn't the way I imagined this would go. You see, we live in a culture that demands the best now for ourselves. And it's so easy for us as followers of Christ to fall into this pattern of life. The great Greek philosopher Socrates, also known as Socrates, um, wrote, He who is not content with what he has would not be contented with what he would like to have. You see, this is what happens as we choose these two different paths and journeys. Uh, there's two insanely uh, stupid things that NBA point guard Kyrie Irving has done in the last year. First thing, he forced the Cleveland Cavaliers to uh, trade him because he was tired of living under LeBron James' wing. Um, by the way, Kyrie, you're not an A player, so you might as well stay with the Cavaliers. The second thing is he confessed that he believes that the earth is flat. I'm going to go out on a limb and as a Duke fan saying that he didn't attend class in that year and a half semester or that two and a half semesters he was at Duke. But it's funny as we think about it is there's a lot of people that still subscribe to the idea that the earth is flat. And our ancestors, this was huge. I mean, the belief that if you really came to the edge of the world, you would fall off. This is also the same people that subscribe to the earth is really sitting on the back of a big turtle in the cosmos. But he believes this. But I think what Kyrie really needs to fear is LeBron James' seven-foot wingspan. That's really what he needs to fear. Yet at some point, this is the way we saw the world. You see, as we follow Christ and as we begin to peel back our understanding of the way God designed us to be, it takes this tremendous shift. This is what Paul is saying here in verse 6. He says, of course, there is great gain and godliness combined with contentment. For we brought nothing into this world so we can take nothing out of it. Paul is trying to introduce them to this new concept, this new way of seeing life. And he's urging Timothy to be content. To be content with what he has, not what he desires. So if stuff and content and busyness and work and wallet will not give us genuine commitment, Paul is saying, there's something much more tangible that will. It's a, it's a person, it's, it's someone, it's God, in and through God. And I know that sounds like such a cliche thing we say, just make Jesus the center of all things in your life. But, but it's so true. But in Christ, we discover contentment. We discover this new way of living. Contentment is not found in tangible things. Contentment is found in and through God. Do you remember this jingle from way back when? The touch, the feel of cotton, the fabric of our lives. I feel like that always played in the Today Show. I remember, I don't know why. Historians have, have said that they don't know when we began to use uh, cotton. They found uh, as far back as 7,000 years ago in a cave in Mexico, uh, cotton balls that were used for whatever. Um, they found um, in 3000 BC, they uh, dated it back that in the Indus River in, in Pakistan, there is uh, what resembles to be cotton. So cotton really has become the fabric of 
our life. You think about how much we use cotton every single day. Um, it's 7.6 million bales of cotton are used each year within the United States. And, and growing up in a, in a farm in Vance County, my, my papa understood the process of, of growing cotton. I remember him talking to me about some of these things. It's not an easy process. We think you just put put the you know seed in the ground and eventually it just grows up, you pick it out. And, but there's a time and there's a place for this. Uh, the way and how deep you bury that seed, how you nurture that seed, how if you don't give it too much water or don't give it enough water, all these things balance. There's a delicate process by which it begins to wilt its flower and that cotton ball begins to produce itself. If you've ever picked cotton before, you, you better have gloves because you know that you will rip your fingers wide open if you try to pull it. And it's hard work. It's diligent work. It's getting a quota and you fill up a bag and you feel like you've done two or three rows and all of a sudden you look in and realize, oh my gosh, like I have nothing because cotton weighs hardly anything. See, this is the process of discovering contentment through Christ. It's a process that takes time, it takes energy, it takes care. It takes time to discover this new way of living. And living into a new way of life, it takes work, it takes sacrifice. There is no gain sometimes without cutting your fingers or feeling that aching back. And this is the antithesis of our culture that says, get what you want at the right price. Yet living content is a continued process. It must be a continued priority, as Paul says in verse 11, but as for you, man of God, shun all this, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. You see, discovering contentment is a new way of seeing the world. Remember we were talking at the beginning about sometimes you're told lies as a kid. They're little white lies, but they were lies. Take, for example, Napoleon Bonaparte. When you think of the great French general and emperor, what comes to mind? That was a rhetorical question. Somebody help me out here. He's short, yeah. Fun fact, he was actually above average height for his day and age. Uh, the average height uh, was below 5'7", and Napoleon was 5'7", so he would be considered above average of his time. Uh, you've probably been told that uh, sunflowers follow, they trace the sun in the sky. Sunflowers always face east. You've often been told probably that goldfish have three seconds of memory. Well, this is going to blow your mind. They have three months of memory they can have, so you better watch what you say and do <laughs> in front of those little things. I was told as a kid if I popped my knuckles, it would cause arthritis. That was a lie. Um, here's a pop quiz. You've ever been faced with this situation? You know, if you land in the Alaskan wilderness in the middle of the winter and you have a bottle of rum, what should you do with it? Oftentimes people think drink it to warm you up. It's the complete opposite of what you should do. You actually use it to light fire and keep your body sustained because alcohol drops the level of your body's temperature. You see, discovering this contentment in Jesus is, is like this invitation into seeing things in a new way. Things we once thought to be true, we are now discovering something that truly is truth. Once we once saw as a need, we now discover it is a want. What we once saw as inadequacy, we now see sufficiency in it. What we once might complain about, we now see as a blessing and as an opportunity of improvement. You see, contentment transforms what we once might complain of four out of the ten things that didn't work out the way we want to. Contentment says you had six out of ten things that worked out well. Find blessing and thanksgiving in these things. But it's hard to do when we live in a culture of such comfort mode. You see, Jesus is inviting us into something different. 
Jesus is trying to shift our understanding of the way that we've seen the world into a new way of seeing it, a life of blessing and lasting fulfillment. As one author put it, in the spiritual practice, contentment is not about having a passive, laid-back attitude and doing nothing because everything perfect and there is no need for improvement. It means we realize and accept where we are and where we need to be. I heard a story recently from a psychologist who was talking about he intentionally um, became a Buddhist monk for a period of time. I don't know like how you do that. You like check in for a certain period of time and then you check out. Um, and while he was at the monastery doing training, he um, got in trouble because he took a book from the restricted section, which I know what you're thinking. It sounds like some Harry Potter stuff. Um, and, and as a result of it, his, his punishment uh, was to go out and to cut grass with scissors. In fact, he had to do this for four hours. And when he first started, he confessed that he was, he was so angry, but just how stupid it was that he was out there cutting this lawn with scissors. He was talking about the tension in his body. He began to laugh at just the absurdity of having to cut grass with a piece of, of scissors, just cutting this as he goes. But then he writes, all of a sudden, it actually became quite a pleasant activity. I realized I had the opportunity to define the experience of that activity and how it was relating with my mind and my body. Instead of cutting the grass with scissors, he began to be present in the moment. Instead of just listening to everything else, he began to listen to the sound of the scissors maneuvering, even the sounds of the blades of grass hitting the ground. He was present in that moment, not worried about what he must do next, not worried about how he can do things more efficiently. In that moment, he began to discover deep contentment. This is the call of Jesus, a call for us to pause in this busy way of life, to take a step back and to be present in the moment. Harvard recently released a study that said that we are lost in thought 47% of the time. Just think about that for just a second. 47% of the time, you're lost in thought. But how remarkable could it be if we began to be present every single day? God is inviting us into this interactive narrative where we are present in our lives. It begins with moments of meditation, intentional prayer, and reading scripture, and having theological dialogue. But I also think it happens in simple things like watching your children play. And seeing the joy in other people's faces. Naming every little blessing that takes place each day when we are present and discover contentment in the moment. So what that means is we have to put our smartphones down to be able to watch and listen. It means we have to cut back on our busyness and find stillness. It means that we have to shift our priorities of using our wallet for our own interest and begin to look to the interest of others. It means that we rid ourselves of stuff so that we can find that there is more joy in simplicity. It means we find joy and profound simplicity in just being present with God in the moment. As Paul writes, But you, brothers and sisters of God, flee from all this. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. So may we embark on today, discovering that contentment is all we need through Christ. May we not venture in this journey alone, but realizing that together as a community of people, we discover a new way of living life well together. 
and the hectic 24-7 pace of ceaselessness, may we learn to let the Spirit of God guide us and direct us. May we take up scissors today and cut our lawns, discovering the simplicity of being quiet and calm so that we might hear the voice of God. Today we discover enough through Christ for the next day and the day to come. Let's pray together. God, as we continue in this conversation around an alternative way of living, may we recognize and embrace that this is not easy. It groans and pains within our soul to bring transformation. But we recognize that it is not by our power, but by your spirit dwelling within us. And as we get frustrated and as we make step back into this old system, may you remind us of Christ and the example of Jesus. But may we also look to our right and to our left and ahead of us and behind us and see this great and beautiful community called the church that we might discover together all that you are calling us to be and what you would have us to do. All these things we ask in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.